0: This week on Beyond Stillness, Stories After Stroke, we spotlight guest Tia Polifox, a school counselor, tennis player, music lover, and community volunteer who suffered a stroke in 2009 at the age of 40. Tia shares ways she strives to accept her post-stroke self. She was often called Superwoman before the stroke, and continues to push herself now. Her story is entitled, Moving Toward Acceptance. Thank you for joining us for Part 1, Tia Paula Fox's Story. And welcome to Beyond Stillness. Stroke offers a powerful, life-changing shift in perspective. Each colorful memory creates a parable for life's greater teachings, a compass for journeys ahead, and inspired wisdom for unique growth. This radio show, Beyond Stillness, offers an hour of pause for storytelling and reflection. Ultimately, beyond stillness is a welcoming environment that reveres the moment beyond strokes paralysis. Still moments unite humanity and divinity. I'm your host, Molly Bucola. Hello and welcome. Tia Polifax is a retired school counselor who lives in Portland, Oregon. In 2009, she suffered a stroke on the right side of her brain. She's a music lover, a community volunteer, and is very social. Lots of friends. Her story is entitled, Moving Towards Acceptance. But before we begin, we take a moment of pause to call to mind parts of ourselves that yearn for not just tolerance, but patience love and acceptance we think of parts of our minds parts of our body parts of our emotions our relationships that yearn for acceptance we ask for the grace and courage to see ourselves as whole and complete and know that we have purpose in this world and now i'm going to hand the mic over to tia welcome tia thank you
1: it wasn't until i was
0: in my 20s
1: and 30s that i became confident in myself i earned a master's degree had my dream career and was constantly exercising to stay in shape for my side bartending job. I was also a high school tennis coach, often playing tennis, and I was also on a co-ed softball team. I was very active during those years. I was always given compliments on both my work and my physical appearance. Even though I am uncomfortable receiving compliments and praise, it did contribute to my confidence in how I felt about myself. I was often referred to as superwoman. Some of my qualities prior to my stroke were multitasking, staying organized, being a perfectionist and having a, a huge amount of energy. I was often asked to lead programs, train and oversee different things on my school counseling career. There were times I was working several jobs at once and volunteering in the community. I also planned and organized my high school reunions every five years. An example of a typical morning comes to mind. Students coming in and out of my office all morning, responding to emails and phone messages, keeping an eye on the clock for my 11.30 a.m. 504 meeting across campus in another building. I finished putting all of my students' notes in my 504 binder, and put it in my book bag. I carried my book bag on my left shoulder, my cell phone in my left hand, and a coffee in a to-go cup. I'd been sipping all morning in my right hand. When I opened the door, the front office was busy, and the staff was trying to get my attention. But I was in a hurry, and I was telling the teachers to please leave a note on my door, or if they could email me. That day I was wearing a fitted black sweater with a black skirt with a pink trim and a white floral design on it, as well as my black strappy high heels. I was in a hurry to get to the alternate education building across campus. I made it out of the office into the loud hallway full of students, then made it out the front door. Down the cement, cement stairs through the outside plaza filled with bike racks and students milling around saying, hi, Mrs. Dubay as I rushed by many of my students, but was basically running not to be late to my meeting. So I was smiling and saying, I'm sorry, I got to get to a meeting. The cafeteria was to the right and getting ready for lunch. So it smelled like cafeteria food smells and I, it was making me hungry. On top of all my other thoughts, I was starting to think about my lunch. Finally, I got to the classroom meeting, put my phone in my bag, and opened the door while still holding my coffee. The student's parents and the 504 coordinator were just small talking, so I said, Hello, thank you for waiting for me. Then my student came in looking nervous, and we got started. Life Life like this came to a halt when I fell on the floor in the bathroom. That morning, my husband at the time was a science teacher, and he knew the signs of a stroke. I was slurring my words, and my left side was clearly paralyzed. Bill called 911, and the ambulance rushed me to the hospital. My put-together self remembers apologizing to the paramedics that my socks didn't match my pajamas. I had had a massive stroke just after I turned 40 years old, and I was in the best shape of my life. I was just recently power walking Mount Pisgah in Eugene and running the Hudson Stadium stairs. I felt super confident and felt good about my body. My hair my hair was very long to the bottom of my back and it was all shaved off due to needing a craniectomy on December 8, 2009. On December night, the day after my stroke, I was all of a sudden bedridden and had nurses having to start coming into my hospital room to turn me, so I didn't get bed sores. I was in the hospital, which was River Bend in Springfield, Oregon, for five months. My sister was in my room the day I was told my hair was shaved off, and she told them before, before giving a mirror that someone should talk to me about it since I love my long hair so much and I was going to freak out. I was gaining weight in the hospital, but I stayed positive as I had an outpouring of visitors and support. I remember wanting to get back to work as a school counselor, but I couldn't verbalize it yet. When I was finally able to communicate, I told my neuropsychologist that I wanted to be part of the group who made decisions for me, my care team. They agreed and invited me on. They told me I was the first person to do this. I also told them I wanted to do my own laundry, so they taught me how to use their washer and dryer using a wheelchair. I was always so independent and capable in the past, and it was hard for me to see people doing things for me. I was discharged from Riverbend Hospital in May 2009. I had a fundraiser party thrown for me the day I was discharged. I was embarrassed to have a shaved head, so my family helped me get a a wig. I wore a green dress and was in a wheelchair as I was still learning how to walk again. From 2009 to 2011, I was home recovering and getting outpatient physical and occupational therapy. I also reconnected with my recreational therapist from the hospital, who got me attending a post-stroke water therapy class at Tamarack Pool in Eugene, Oregon. I was referred to other resources and received in-home exercise support. I signed up for a driving class so I could drive again. I really wanted to return to work, but there were a lot of hoops to get through at the, Uni- at the Eugene's 4J School District. I needed my doctors release to work after being on a long-term medical leave. I needed to, for instance, I needed to take a neuropsych test and be able to prove I had the stamina and the skills to go back to work. I learned about a local agency and got connected to Community Resources Services, Oregon, where they provided cognitive therapy to assist people to return to work after a brain injury. I completed short-term intern work at two agencies where I knew the directors. Um, One was Licking Glass Job Center and the other was Skipford Youth Detention Center. My job counselor kept track of my hours, and supervisors were feedback to relay, relay back to my doctor. In 2011, I was finally released to return to work two years after my stroke, and it was a major sense of relief. My sense of identity was being a hard worker and my career as a school counselor. There are many challenges, challenges though, working as a disabled person. I found that buildings I worked in were not accessible. I struggled finding parking and not all sites provided the accommodations that I needed. My job was gray, constantly changing. And I realized after this stroke, I was still very empathetic, but I needed things to be more black and white and orderly. I never returned back to my side jobs in the service industry because they were just too physical. My marriage was starting to feel different and we were struggling as I was a totally different person and I don't think my husband really knew how to handle that. So he started coaching me or acting as a caregiver and it was hard. With so many changes to my lifestyle and the way my body worked and looked, I just kept thinking things like, I wish I never had a stroke and I want the old me back. I wasn't thinking, why me, or why did I have a stroke? I was told there was no reason, as my right carotid artery dissected, that it was just a fluke. So I didn't spend a lot of time wondering about that. I just wanted to go back to how my life was, and I wanted my long hair back. I wanted to wear my high heels and my cowboy boots. So I started up my social activities with friends. I even went to a country music festival with my girlfriends. They helped me navigate the tricky situation with my wheelchair. We all knew it was possible and it was really fun. I was so thankful to be there, but it was still hard as I watched them running around and remember when I was up dancing with everyone and everything was so different now. I'm thankful I was able to go and wanted to be there with my friends, but it was clear that I was struggling with my with accepting my new body. I was so confident in my own skin before. I liked my style and I liked my abilities. I love dancing. I was the rock and rodeo bartender and a cocktail waitress at a couple other places. I loved that I could be as active as I was. I didn't think of them as abilities before my stroke. In 2017, I moved to Portland after 30 years in Eugene. I didn't have the community that I had in Eugene where most people knew me before I had a stroke and witnessed me go through the hospital days. I realized that I wish the people I was meeting in Portland knew me before I had this drug so they could have seen what I looked like prior as an able-fit person. This couldn't have been more true than when I started online dating. I am not 100% comfortable in my own skin yet, and with the urging of my doctor to lose weight, I reached out to a personal trainer to help me exercise and with my nutrition, and really because I was online dating. Until until recently, I didn't realize how important my physical appearance was to me. I'm not sure what it will take for me to feel total acceptance of myself. I feel like I really loved myself before, and I would like to love my whole self fully again. What I mean by that is I do love the inside me, but I also want to love the outside me. I am working towards acceptance by doing things that make me feel happy, empowered, strong and independent, like traveling solo, especially international travel. For example, in 2017, nine years after my stroke and, after re- and pretty recently after my divorce, I ventured to Uruguay to visit a friend. I didn't hesitate at the opportunity because I was ac- excited to see my friend and I really wanted to go. I had already been on domestic flights, and I knew how to navigate the airports. While she was at work each day, I explored Montevideo, Uruguay, her city. I took buses where everyone was speaking Spanish. One day, I took the bus to the oldest town in South America, Claya del Sacramento. When I got to the bus stop, I got a map. Then I started walking through the town on cobblestone roads towards the ocean with a cute black dog following me the whole way. When I got to the historical site, which is the gate where historically the locals would or would not let people come into their town from the arriving ships, I was looking over the ocean and felt the most empowered that I had ever felt. I was in another non-English speaking country walking on very uneven ground with my cane by myself and I had just gotten a divorce. I am doing different things that are helping me with acceptance such as challenging activities. I applied for leadership roles in my volunteer work. In my Police Equity Advisory Council, I ran for co-chair and was elected to run our public meetings where I create the agenda and lead the meetings. And in my Portland Committee on Community Engaged Policing work, I ran and was elected to co-chair the Community Engagement Subcommittee, where I also create the agenda and lead public community meetings, as well as hiring a personal trainer to keep me accountable to exercise. These sorts of activities are proving to me that I am more than capable, but I am also seeing how I am trying to be the old me although my sister, one of my biggest cheerleaders, would tell me, you are the same Tia. I am sure that I have made some progress in accepting the new post-stroke me. I overextend myself in my volunteering and in my social calendar and pretend like I don't have a brain injury or I ignore, ignore it, like the fatigue, the anxiety and ADHD, wanting it to look like there is a little difference between the pre and post-stroke me. What has been so hard for me is to accept the bis- visible disability of myself, how I move and look. I remember so well what I looked like at 40 years old when I had this stroke. I worked out regularly, so I was in great shape. It has been hard to lose weight and feel fit again. And I cannot bend my left knee, rotate my ankle, or rotate my ankle. So I wear a KAFO, leg orthotic which is physical to people. Furthermore, I cannot extend my left arm or open my left hand, which is always in a fist. I do feel like I have accepted that I cannot open my left hand yet, as I can do everything I need and want to do with it like that, and I'm not very proactive in trying to get it to open. It is amazing how you go through life only using one hand. I just don't like what it looks like. What helps me move forward is positive self-talk, being proud of myself for any accomplishment, scheduling self-care and counseling. I even put up some sticky notes by my sink as reminders to do these kinds of things. I try really hard to not stay stuck in the past. I try to think of the past as really great memories and that I can make great new memories. I try to be realistic with myself. Having the stroke was a major loss, and as a school counselor, I had studied the Kubler-Ross five stages of grief. Acceptance is the last stage, and it is the wonder how I have been in this stage the longest. I know there is no right or wrong way or timeline in grief. We just go through it. I have come a long way. I remember feeling so sad that I lost all my hair, not being able to wear all of my jeans and heels and being in a wheelchair. And when I would verbalize that, I would often hear, at least you lived. And I knew that, but felt like people didn't understand me or those little losses at those moments. Currently working with a personal trainer since this June of 2023, I am seeing results. And I'm stronger at losing weight and feeling less anxious. I also have found shoes and clothes that are making me feel good to wear. Acceptance is feeling closer. Thank you.
0: Again, thank you, Tia, for sharing today. Before we close here, Tia, let's take a moment. Let's take a moment to call to mind those parts of ourselves again that need to be held Maybe their emotions, maybe it's feelings of loss, grief, emptiness.. Let us fill those with love and acceptance and light. Knowing that in those places, We can connect with others who may also experience loss. Help us to help each other fill those spaces, love those spaces, accept those spaces, and give grace to those spaces. May we see ourselves as whole. Help us to see these as opportunities to connect, to share, to inspire, and to love. Again, thank you, Tia, for sharing today. Thank you. Thank you for devoting time and space to listen to Part 1, Tia Paula Fox's Story. Stick with us for Part 2, Tia Paula Fox's Interview. Each colorful memory creates a parable for life's greater teachings, a compass for journeys ahead, and inspired wisdom for unique growth. In this story of Beyond Stillness, Guest Tia Palafox offered her story entitled, Moving Toward Acceptance. She shared about how she has found new ways to engage in activities she loved before the stroke, along with other tools she employs to work toward self-acceptance. If you enjoyed this moment of pause for storytelling and reflection, please like, share, or subscribe to the Beyond Stillness Stories After Stroke podcast. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, as part of the stroke community, you are more than supportive. You are inspirational. If you're a part of the stroke community and have a story you'd like to share on the show, please contact us, email M-O-L-L-Y at BeyondStillness.org